Hello, and welcome to another episode of Words of Wisdom, a podcast series dedicated to reflecting on the wisdom of the book of Proverbs. My name is Jerry Weirwill, and it is my pleasure to be on this journey together with you to discover the powerful truths that God has revealed to those who desire to become wise and discerning. Proverbs 25.25 says, As cold water is to the weary soul, so is a good report from a distant land. This proverb takes the form of a simile, and there are a number of proverbs like this in the book of Proverbs, where A is said to be like B. The key to understanding the meaning of a simile is to find the point of comparison between A and B. What seems to be the mutual idea shared here is the beneficial effect. The proverbs suggest that the cold water and a good report both have positive effects on a person. In the same way that cold water is refreshing and revitalizing, so also is a good report. Now, it's not just any good report. The proverb specifies that it's a good report from a distant land. This is important because it indicates that the good report has been long awaited and likely implies the existence of a degree of eagerness and anxiety on the part of the one waiting to hear the report. But the proverb doesn't necessitate that the person is aware or actively waiting for the report. The proverb can also apply to a circumstance where someone receives an unexpected message that contains a good report. In either scenario, the point of the proverb is that the effect of this good report is likened to what happens when someone has a drink of fresh, cold water. To say just another word about hearing a report from a distant land, in the ancient times, like around the time when the book of Proverbs was written, communication was very slow. News about people, places, and events traveled at an agonizingly slow rate. It required individuals to personally travel to other cities and countries to tell other people about things that have happened. Most of the time, this happened through informal means of merchants, caravans, and travelers, where people would talk with each other and share various things that each person had heard about. But there was also a formal means of communication where someone, like a courier, was delegated to carry a message and deliver it to a specific individual by word of mouth or some form of written communication. Nonetheless, communication traveled notoriously slow in the ancient world, especially when transmitted through informal means because there was really no standardized way to propagate and spread news in those times. And so, to hear a good report from a distant land meant that the message had likely taken a long time to reach the person. And if a person had been waiting to hear from someone or about something, the built-up emotional tension over time from all the uncertainties surrounding the condition of a loved one or the status of a family or situation would probably be deeply felt and could be to the point of causing angst or even depression. It is interesting to note that the comparative experience to that of a good report from a distant land is cold water to a weary soul. One might have expected the phrase to go something like this, like cold water to a parched throat, since the effect that is being compared is the way that cold water physically soothes and refreshes a person, especially if they are desperately thirsty. I can remember when I was younger and a competitive long-distance runner, how it felt during races in the summer heat particularly if they were road races where we ran the entire course on asphalt. With the sun beating down on us, 
the blacktop surface radiating like an oven, and sweat pouring out constantly. I recall the intense sensation of thirst those circumstances produced. Right after crossing the finish line, I would immediately go in search of water. Usually somebody from my family was standing by the finish line holding out a water bottle for me, and I would consume it vigorously. It is one of the most satisfying moments to drink a cup of cold water when your throat is so parched you can't even swallow and your tongue is as dry as a tumbleweed. There's one more thing to point out in the proverb. There seems to be a play on words in the proverb where the word soul is translated from the Hebrew word nefesh. Nefesh can also mean throat or desire. And so by using the imagery of the effect of drinking cold water, there's likely overtones of the primary effect being upon the weary or thirsty throat, which then in turn satisfies the weary soul. One biblical example of hearing a good report from a distant land can be found in Genesis with the story of Joseph. As the Genesis record narrates, beginning in Genesis chapter 37, Joseph's brothers sold him into slavery to a caravan of Ishmaelite traders on their way to Egypt when Joseph was only 17 years old. In Egypt, Joseph served as a household slave in Potiphar's house for many years. Then he gets framed for sexual misconduct by Potiphar's wife. He is then put in prison for several years. And then after interpreting Pharaoh's dream, Joseph is appointed as head over Egypt as second in command beneath Pharaoh when he was only 30 years old. During all this time, Joseph's brothers had told their father, Jacob, that Joseph had been killed by a wild beast. Jacob was deeply grieved by the loss of his beloved son, Joseph. Then when a famine came that was predicted by God in Pharaoh's dream, which Joseph interpreted, Jacob sent his brothers down to Egypt to buy grain because Joseph had used wisdom to store grain in Egypt in preparation for the famine. The trip from the land of Canaan down to Egypt is over 200 miles, a journey that would take at least a week and a half on donkey and camel. Thus, the round trip would probably not be any less than three weeks. It is likely that Joseph's brothers would have stayed in Egypt a day or two while purchasing grain and supplies as well. When Joseph's brothers come to buy grain and Joseph recognizes them, he can hardly believe it. But none of Joseph's brothers recognize him. Well, after buying grain, Joseph's brothers leave to return home, but not without Joseph keeping his brother Simeon behind in prison as a way to ensure that his brothers will return again to see him. When the grain that they had purchased had run out, which might have been anywhere from one to three months, perhaps, Jacob sends his sons, Joseph's brothers, back to Egypt again, along with Joseph's brother Benjamin this time. When Joseph's brothers arrive in Egypt, they ask to speak with Joseph. After they are led into Joseph's house to meet with him, Genesis 43 verses 27 and 28 says, He, Joseph, asked them how they were doing. Then he said, Is your aging father well, the one you spoke about? Is he still alive? Your servant, our father, is well, they replied. He is still alive. Joseph was inquiring on the well-being of his father Jacob. This indeed was a good report from a distant land. After seeing his brothers on their way with grain, Joseph had a servant place his silver cup in one of their grain sacks. After they had left and traveled for a little while, Joseph had a servant pursue and catch up with them and accuse them of theft. He had them open their grain sacks 
and to their astonishment, Joseph's cup was in Benjamin's grain sack. Joseph's brothers are then brought back to Egypt, where they then try to explain their innocence before Joseph. By this time, Joseph can no longer contain himself, and he reveals to his brothers his identity. His brothers can hardly believe it, what they are hearing that the one standing before them is their brother Joseph, who they had not seen in over 13 years. Joseph then commands them to return to Canaan to tell his father Jacob, this is what your son Joseph says. God has made me Lord of all Egypt. Come down to me. Do not delay. This is in Genesis 45, 9. And so in Genesis 45, verses 25 through 28, it says, So they, the remaining sons of Jacob, went up from the land of Egypt to their father Jacob in the land of Canaan. They told him, Joseph is still alive, and he is ruler over all the land of Egypt. Jacob was stunned, for he did not believe them. But when they related to him everything Joseph had said to them, and when he saw the wagons that Joseph had sent to transport him, their father Jacob's spirit revived. Then Israel said, Enough! My son Joseph is still alive. I will go and see him before I die. I would say for Jacob that was not just a good report that he received, but the best report from a distant land. To receive news that one of your beloved sons that you thought had died many years ago is actually alive would have been a greater effect than cold water to a weary soul. I'd say it would probably be something more like a lightning bolt, except that would probably actually hurt you. So maybe not a lightning bolt per se. Nonetheless, the report that Jacob received revived his spirit, meaning it brought new life and vitality back to him. The sadness and grief that he had been carrying around all these years was replaced with joy and excitement at the thought of being able to see his son again. Well, to illustrate this proverb, I want to tell you about a friend of mine. Chong Bates grew up in South Korea. She was the oldest sibling of six, and her parents were poor farmers. Chong had a, a tough childhood, but worked hard to help her family the best she could. After graduating from high school, she began working at a local factory. Then, one day, while she was taking a walk in a local park, she ran into a handsome man. He was currently serving in the United States Army and was stationed in South Korea. Immediately, sparks began to fly, and they began dating. They would meet often at the cafe and go on long walks in the park. But only after about three months, Chong's newfound love found out that he was going to have to leave and return to America. But before leaving, he asked Chong to marry him, and she excitedly agreed. Chong's husband wouldn't return for about a year. That year seemed so long in one sense, but very short in another. After he returned, their first son was born that following year in 1974. And then in the year after that, in 1975, their second son was born. At this point, Chong's husband's time serving in the United States Army was up, and he was going to have to return to America. So Chong and her husband planned to leave Korea and return to America for about four months while her husband finished his term of service in the Army and then re-enlisted. Then they could all return together to Korea. Well, in December of 1975, while filing the appropriate paperwork in preparation to leave, and getting all the necessary medical records and examinations, it was discovered that their second son had tuberculosis and was not going to be allowed to travel with them to America. Chong and her husband were renting a small house and were friends with their landlord. She was a nice lady and one whom they trusted. 
In discussing this dilemma with her landlord, Chong made arrangements for her landlord to take care of her second son while she, her husband, and her firstborn son would travel to America and then return several months later. After Chong and her husband arrived in America in 1976, her husband discovered that he was not going to be able to re-enlist in the army. And due to a lack of money and issues with being able to obtain a passport and visa, Chong and her husband were not able to make a personal trip back to Korea. In all of her desperate attempts to contact her landlord about her inability to return to Korea, Chong never heard one word back from the numerous letters that she wrote. Moreover, there was no telephone that she could call either. It was a very dire predicament. Chong and her husband were stuck with no way to get to their child. It would be 18 years before Chong was able to return to Korea. In 1993, Chong was able to make the journey back to Korea in search of their lost boy. She spent three months traveling and talking with everyone she could to try to locate her landlord and her son. But everything looked so different. Buildings and street names had all changed. Even the name of her town was different. And she wasn't even sure where her old home was anymore. Chong exhausted all efforts she could looking for her son. And at the end of the three months, when she had found no leads to discover the whereabouts of her child, she was forced to return home to America. Chong describes this trip back to America as one filled with sadness and defeat. She was utterly distraught that she was not able to even find a trace of where her son was or what happened to him. She thought perhaps maybe he had died from the illness, but she prayed to God that if he had survived, that he was okay and someone was taking care of him. After returning to America, Chong conveyed to her husband that she had expended every effort she could but was unable to find their son. So Chong and her husband raised their other two boys in America in the state of New York until 2006 when her husband passed away. Then unsuspectingly, in March of 2019, Chong's oldest son got a message on Facebook from a man in Denmark. The message looked suspicious, so he didn't answer it. That night, Chong received a similar message from the same man. Her son thought it was a scam and told Chong not to answer it. However, some of Chong's cousins who lived near her in New York also received similar messages from this man. It wasn't until Chong's niece forwarded one of the messages from this man to Chong that contained a baby picture. When Chong saw the image, she immediately recognized that it was her lost son, in Korea. His face, his hair, his cleft lip looked exactly as she remembered it over 40 years ago. Straight away, Chong answered the message from the man, and as he explained who he was and what had happened to him, there was no doubt. It was indeed truly her son. Chong couldn't believe it. It was remarkable. It was incredible. She said, it was like a dream. To receive a word from him after all these years was miraculous. She repeated over and over, Thank you, God. Thank you, God. My prayer came true. Needless to say, Chong and her son had a lot of catching up to do. They began exchanging messages and video chatting almost every day for the following week. 
Chong would find herself crying every day because she was so excited and relieved that her son was all right. Then, in July of 2019, Chong's son and his wife and children came to New York to visit Chong for two weeks. Those two weeks were some of the most amazing in my life, she said. It was simply magical to be with my son. Chong wished that she could spend more time with her son, but he and his family had to return back to Denmark, where they lived. Her son reciprocated the same sentiments and heartfelt joy, and he said that they were going to try and plan another visit in the future. But until then, he said that he wanted to continue to talk and catch up on the past 44 years that they've missed being together. To say that Chong's weary soul that had worried about her son for more than four decades was soothed and relieved by hearing the good news that her son was alive and doing well would be an understatement. This was the greatest good report a mother could ever receive. When someone lives far away from friends and family, the desire to hear from them grows more intense as time goes on. To hear a good report or good news from them satisfies a fundamental craving in our soul, a craving for connection and relationship. And we experience joy and comfort when we receive news that they are doing well. And sometimes it's so profound that it's inexpressible with words. In conclusion, the wisdom of the proverb is that we have an innate desire to connect and know how people are doing and to rejoice with others through hearing a good report about them. But we should also see the wisdom of the proverb as giving us motivation to continue sending good news to our loved ones, for we know the beneficial effect it can have upon their soul and ours. Thanks so much for listening to the Truth or Tradition podcast. We hope you're enjoying this new series on the words of wisdom from the book of Proverbs. And for more biblical resources, you can visit our website, truthortradition.com. And there you can subscribe to our mailing list to be notified of the future resources that we post.